Welcome everybody to episode 141 of the Startup Show. Today I'm talking to the CEO and co-founder Phil and we talk about Advanon, we talk about how it is to work for Google, but most important, we talk how to get started. Make sure to stay tuned for the full video. Welcome to episode 141 of the Startup Show. Today we are here in Zurich and I'm very excited to speak to the CEO and co-founder, Phil. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, it's so, a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you. So as usual on the show, first I want to thank all the people who contributed to this show. So in specific, Donny Gutenberg, your investor, who was uh, really keen to contribute, Bert Brunemann, who is uh, your InnoSwiss coach, and a few other friends who helped out here. So as usual on the startup show, um, first few minutes is dedicated to you, Phil, that you give us an insight on who you are. So my name is Phil Loyakuno. I'm co-founder and CEO of Advanon. I have a background in finance and banking, studied in, uh, in Lucerne, but then also did two exchange semesters, one in London and one in uh, Edmonton in Canada. Then I had the chance to work at Google as an intern on the business development side, where I then met my two co-founders, one from Sweden and one from Holland. And then we decided to use state-of-the-art technology to help Swiss and European SMEs. And that's where we are right now. And I'm happy to share my, my experiences. Very good. So before, before we go more into Advanon and what you guys do here, maybe give us like a rundown of like, let's say you, when you look at your CV, you were in a corporate, you worked for Google, which is probably for every student the dream to work there. Mm -hmm. And now you have your startup. Um, maybe you can elaborate, like what are the differences? How do, how do you feel in each place? Yes, absolutely. Maybe so a personal recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> so I had the chance to already work in an SME beside my studies. I was never a full-time student only, but I got the chance to work there, got some first-hand experience in a, in a small team, up to 10 people. I uh, saw so that and that was, that was pretty cool. It gave me the chance to look into many different uh, different teams, different directions. But then uh, when the, the opportunity with Google came up, obviously it's like the... It's, the, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. <laughs> it's, it's the number one employer of the, of the world. And I mean, the experience was was absolutely amazing. I think the Google is a, is, a, is a great, really, really great employer. Obviously, in the meanwhile, it's also a, a large corporate. So it's, it's not a startup anymore, yeah. as, as they kind of want to claim, but uh, that's not the case anymore. Anymore. Nevertheless, it was a very good experience. Great people to, to be around, great to see on what is actually possible with, with technology if you use it in the right way. And especially, and I think that was probably the main trigger for me to, uh, to start Advanon, was that they really encourage you to make mistakes. And I just say, okay, let's move on and, and, and try things and fail and try again and fail again. And, but then at one point in time, you, you might have the solution. And if not, it's not the end of the world. And I think that was probably the, the biggest learning for, for me in that time and also really encouraged me to start mm -hmm. Advanon then. Mm -hmm. Advanon, you mentioned already like 20 times in this yeah. uh, CV <laughs> time. Uh, maybe give us a rundown, a short pitch on, on what, what you guys do here at Advanon. So initially we just started Advanon with the, with the aim of bridging long payment terms for SMEs. Mm -hmm. So what we saw is that a lot of SMEs, they deliver their products, have to write their invoice and then they wait three to four months until their invoice gets paid. In the meanwhile, we have created the platform that allows 
to sell these invoices directly to financial investors. Mm -hmm. um, we have grown now over the last three years to quite a decent amount of, of financed invoices. And we also uh, put some new products on top of that. So we invested in machine learning for credit risk, etc. So that's, mm -hmm. that's basically what we're doing. Um, maybe walk me through, number one, the customer journey. So let's say I'm an SME and I want to start using your platform. What are the processes? Yeah. How uh, do, you, do you have like some compliance, re, um, let's say, in place there to make sure the SMEs are actually having these um, invoices that they're claiming to have? Yes, absolutely. So let's, let's make an example. Let's say you are an IT service provider and you deliver products to a large corporate in the pharmaceutical industry, for instance. So yeah. you, you help them with services. So what you do is that you do something for them. You, you, you program whatever, a new, a new app or so, and then you write an invoice. And then there is a gap of three months until you get that money. What we do is that you can upload these invoices and then we basically offer you two different products. One is pre-financing, which is essentially a short-term loan. So that means that the investor, on the other hand, has the risk of you as an SME, of the IT service provider, or you can sell the invoices, mm -hmm. a factoring. And then the, the risk is at the big pharmaceutical company. Yes. And there exactly, there comes the, the question that, that you now asked. Do we check it? Yes, of course we do. We try to. Um, it's it's quite complex and and there are some risks involved. Mm -hmm. It's not as straightforward as one th might <laughs> think, but uh, <laughs> but it is possible. So yeah, we do checks and we also we also look into our customers actually. So we are Finma regulated, yeah. and so we do have to do all the KYC etc. Right. checks. And now when we look from the other side, which I guess where your business model is. And from the investor perspective, how does that look like? So from the investor perspective, it's actually an interesting journey that we went through. So we started with a proper peer-to-peer -peer platform. Mm -hmm. So what we did is we linked SMEs to retail investors, mm -hmm. meaning like everyone could invest in a small chunk of an invoice. That led us to the fact that we had more than 800 investors on the platform, but it also added a lot of complexity. Mm -hmm. So it limited our scalability and it also made it quite difficult to handle all the processes. So what we did there is that we focus on the first step on qualified investors. Qualified investors means there's a limit on like how much uh, investable assets they have. It's 500,000 in Switzerland. And now we want to move into institutional investors mm -hmm. and basically allow individual investors to, to channel their funds through a, through a fund, through an SPV, so that mm -hmm. we can offer them a diversified portfolio and not single invoices, mm -hmm. basically. How did you come up with this idea? I mean, like, you know, there's many things, and I also, when you look at your CV, it was not obvious to me that, like, you would <laughs> focus on this. And I would guess, and I don't know, I'm curious to hear, it probably wasn't from the beginning this peer-to-peer -peer landing platform. So um, maybe, you know, can you walk me through this process? How did you come up with where we are today? Yes, absolutely. So no, it was not the peer-to-peer -peer <laughs> platform. So how it was is that, as I mentioned in the beginning, I had the chance to work at an SME and we always had that issue. Mm -hmm. So we, all, we were in the distribution business of spare parts and accessories in the IT industry. Mm -hmm. We always had to pre-finance invoices in, in Asia or products in Asia, ship them to Europe, and then wait for three to four months until mm -hmm. those invoices get paid. So we always had a gap of roughly half a year 
where the money was outstanding. So I saw it there that this is actually a, a big issue for SMEs. But then I also saw it at Google actually, but then from the other from the other perspective. Yeah. So that a lot of SMEs were, were complaining because Google is quite powerful and they just block your AdWords account if you if you don't pay and that's it, right? That's and then and that's that's the lifeblood of, of many SMEs in the uh, nowadays. Sure. So and there there we saw that. Then I talked to my co-founders and we all had somewhat identical experiences. So we we decided that we that we want to tackle that problem. And then the peer-to-peer platform was mm. just also a bit uh, from from the market environment there defined by that because we have very low interest rates mm-hmm. still. So we saw uh, another problem on the investor side that they have a limited amount of investment opportunities. Yeah. So we thought, okay, let's let's open that up, mm-hmm. and that's it. When you look at let's say the industry of, of lending, uh, what do you see like some kind of trends in there? Is there like anything let's say that you connect to your vision that you say like you know you want to be a certain player in the future? Yes, absolutely. I think I think we are quite good on the the whole market industry trend because what what we see is and. I think that's generally what happens. You see a lot of startups starting in the B2C space, mm-hmm. going into there directly. And now I think the B2B space starts to pick up. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of traffic, a lot of interest in, in the SME financing side. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily only invoice financing, but rather all sorts of SME financing. Because the banks, they, they struggle with, with the efficiency. They are not that tech-savvy mm-hmm. on that side, so their processes are, are a bit too, too cumbersome. And on the SME side, you just don't have these volumes per customer as, mm-hmm. as if you would focus on corporates where, where the banks still have quite some advantages. On the SME side, they do have advantages on the network, on the trust, etc. But when it comes to processes, I think there there is a lot of room for improvement mm-hmm. for startups. And I think the market trend goes in that direction. Okay. And when you look at the liquidity issue, where, where does this issue come from that people don't pay their bills, let's say, within 30 days? Why does it take people such a long time to pay their bills. Do you have any insights on that? We were looking at that quite quite intensely, intensively, also amongst our customers, obviously. And I mean, what, what you can see is that on the invoice side, you, you have a lot of flexibility, mm-hmm. right? So if there is a shortage on cash, the first thing you do is you prolong payment terms. Yes. And it's just the first thing that comes to your mind, right? You would never prolong salaries because that, that's a horrible sign. Yes. And also, by the way, for us in the meanwhile, we see that in our credit risk algorithms, that if there is a change in when the salaries are paid, it's quite, <laughs> quite a bad sign. So it's just the first thing you do. And then yeah. you try to optimize that. And then you, you look on how flexible <laughs> you can be. And that's, that's probably <laughs> how it goes. Okay, very cool. Um, so, you know, Danny, one of your investors, a very early stage investors, I sent him an email and asked him if he has any insight. And I got a one-liner back, one-liner. He said that the best CEO in startup in Switzerland, that's what he said. Oh, so the wow. question is, um, obviously that's very charming, but the question is why? Why would he say something like this? And what makes, let's say, Advanon as you as a CEO, let's say, so unique um, <laughs> in, the, in the landscape of, of CEOs in, in Switzerland? Oh wow! <laughs> I'm actually quite humbled about that. So thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, I also got lucky with with him as a German, of course. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say, and beside of that, I think what what we did well and all our ups and downs is that we we just stayed honest, and I try, I always try to be as transparent as somehow possible, and yeah. I do believe because. 
in the end, you make a lot of mistakes. Yes. And you might most probably continue to make mistakes. It's also something that you, that you need to do to a certain degree. Not all of them are really necessary, mm -hmm. <laughs> honestly, but it just happens. And what I always try to do is that I communicate with him and with our other investors completely transparent mm -hmm. and I, I never hide something. So, mm -hmm. And I do think that this is, this is probably what, what people appreciate because right. if, if you deal with, with uh, professional investors, that Danny definitely is, then they know that there are mistakes and they, they, they much rather hear them than, <laughs> than, than find them than out. Than read them in the media. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. You know, every startup has, has like some early stages where they really have to find, let's say, their first, um, first customers. And a lot of it is door to door. Also, without mentioning names, like someone mentioned to me that like, you know, he heard from several places he would knock on their doors. Uh, which I think is a great sign, mm -hmm. um, but maybe you can elaborate like on that feeling and what it means to find the first clients and, and what it needs practically to find them. That's absolutely true. I remember the first three months I called just a <laughs> bunch of SMEs. I didn't really have a plan or a strategy whatsoever, so I just called them and felt like, okay, can you tell me something about your liquidity situation and did we have some, some issues with invoices? And it was extremely frustrating. <laughs> I, I think in, uh, in the first two months, I had one client that, that was actually interested in, in, in signing up for, for Adonon. Okay. Uh, it, was, it was super frustrating, but then you learn, and I think you, yeah. you just have to go through, through that. I mean, it's, every start is difficult, mm -hmm. like no, no matter what you do. It's kind of, you start with something, in our case also with, uh, with an idea that was not existing at this point in time with the peer-to-peer -peer platform. You don't have a brand and you, you have nothing. Mm -hmm. So, and then you're in, the, in, in our case, you're in the financial industry and you're talking to SMEs that tend to be quite conservative, but that's how it is. And yes, it's, sure. I think it's important that you learn that, that you go through that experience. Yeah, because usually people hear like automation, you know, everything needs to be automated, but like what people rarely hear is that like it's still a door-to-door -door game yeah, where, where you really have to pick up the phone, let's say all style. I want to go through a couple of, let's say, the headlines that I think uh, were published about you in the mm -hmm. last few weeks. Um, I think, you know, I expressed my feelings in terms of like uh, how I look up to you as a leader, so you don't have to be worried, we're not going to go through. But one of the things that it's been, I think, a while, and I think what was one of the first headlines that Advanon had was about the unlimited vacation. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, for me, that's a no-brainer. I would definitely give that uh, to anybody, and that's also how my team works. Maybe you explain what happened and, and what went into this thought of like, giving unlimited vacation. Yeah, that was that was an interesting episode. Also, <laughs> also from a PR perspective, actually, <laughs> I learned quite a bit there. So the idea came that where that we had issues keeping our developers primarily. Yeah. So I mean, the the market in the so in software engineering is incredibly competitive. And then we we've seen that that Google actually tries to attract a bunch of our best developers. And there's just no way, especially at this point in time, there's no way that we could match these salaries. I just reached out to, to our management team and I said, look, guys, we need to find a solution now. We need, we need to be better. We need to be more innovative. We need to come up with something. And so I started to create a list just completely brainstorming on what I would appreciate. And also, I think there's a bit of an influence from, from my times at Google there. Because they, I mean, one thing that they do extremely well is they, they take care of their employees. And, yes. and I honestly believe that this is the way to go. Yeah. It, it's very, very important. And so we came up with a list primarily 
we started with our own interests. So what would we like? And for instance, I hate ironing my shirts. Yes. So, <laughs> so, so we added that service yes. to, uh, and, and then everyone came up with different ideas and then we shared it amongst the team and what they would like. Yeah. And then it, within one week we had that program. Yeah. And, and then actually, just then we, we came up with the idea that okay, this is maybe the, the media would also be interested yes. in, in, in that. And then surprisingly, they basically only talked about the unlimited vacation, which for us, it was always clear that, that this is not, I mean, it, there, there are five weeks vacation in all the contracts, so that's, there's, there's nothing to, to do there. What yeah. we just said is that it doesn't really matter if somebody has 25 days or 27 or 29 or, or 32. But obviously we knew that not all of a sudden somebody would take six months. So, <laughs> so, but but the, media, the media boss was just about that yes. unlimited vacation. But you didn't see like any changes in behavior of your employees? Um, not really, no. In the amount of vacation they take per year? No, the average is quite well around 25 to 27 days mm -hmm. now over three years. There are some that take a bit more, some that some that take less. But then, as I said, I mean, in the contracts it says 25 days, and there are laws as well, right? <laughs> so we, they, they, they need to take them. Yeah. So, no. Sure. You you mentioned about PR. What was interesting, like you're learning about the PR side? Oh, that it just went absolutely crazy, <laughs> <laughs> and that that you couldn't control it anymore. I think that was that was that was the biggest learning for me. So, we started with a handles title that came up with a, with a, an article that was quite well mm -hmm. written for us, I have to say. I mean, generally, the press there was, was very good, so not, nothing to complain on that side. But then you really see on how fast it goes. So it starts with one newspaper and then it just spreads. Yeah. And then a lot of the, especially on the, on the boulevard side of, uh, of newspaper, they, they didn't even reach out to us. And we <laughs> just, the, there were just articles out there that sometimes had wrong information in there, sometimes it was right, but it's it just copied and, and added, added something. And then that was, was funny. I mean, in, uh, on that time, as I said, we got, we got lucky and it was very positive press, mm -hmm. so nothing to complain. Yeah, but one can right. imagine how, we, how it could yes. go in sure. the go, other. Going from positive to negative press. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, the other thing, again, maybe uh, you can share with us a little bit of what happened during these few days of the scandal with the fraud. Mm -hmm. Again, you, you can share the details that you feel comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, I want to go more like into the learnings after. So just yes. to you know, get my audience up to speed of, <laughs> of what actually happened that, that day. I mean, the, the fraud case that we had and that was then published, or that that we published actually, was it was one of our biggest customers. It's a funny story on how we found it out. So we have a bi-weekly all-hands meeting yeah. with, all the, with the whole team. And what we said is that every time somebody needs to present a customer, this Friday it was my turn. And I took, took that customer and I looked into it and I know that was just like, this is all too good to be true. <laughs> yes. That was literally the only sign that I had. It's yeah. just too good to be true. And then that's, that's how we found it out. And so that a bunch of documents are fake, uh, like all the documents are fake, bank statements whatsoever. And then, yeah, then we found it out and we immediately knew that this, this was going to hurt us. Like yes. there's, there's no way that we get away with that just, <laughs> just by, by nothing. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, as it turns out, the fraud actually is going on since, since 2012. Mm -hmm. So already before us, and it was just always rolled over. And then, yeah, we found it out and, and, and made it public. 
I mean, it's it's not something nice, no, not something sure. good. And that, yeah, but then there again, I also we gathered all the information. And the first thing we did is we informed our investors and that, it started rolling. As I told you, yeah. like uh, I think I, I wrote it online um, about like you know if there was a leadership award getting <laughs> up at the top 100 in front of the entire, literally entire industry of the startup yeah. scene, you got up there and, and talked about it openly. I think that was really great. Um, but what, what what were you, let's say, the key learnings? Let's say when you say like, okay, it happened, and I think you know fraud is probably the worst that can happen within the mistakes. But what were the learnings that you say like, okay, like this is like what we do differently now to avoid these types of, of fraud cases? When we look back on on the whole case, then we didn't make any mistakes on like literally the process side. Yeah. So we checked all the documents i mean we we got a contract from from the older financing provider that nothing ever went wrong we have all the statements so so nothing nothing wrong on that side i think when when i look back so we have two different products as i said we have mm -hmm. the pre-financing which is the loan and then the factoring mm -hmm. This particular customer worked with a product called silent factoring. Mm -hmm. That means that the debtor is not notified about, about the sale of the invoice. Mm -hmm. And that comes with, uh, with higher risks. So what we did is we limited that. So new, new customers are not allowed to take the silent factoring anymore. I think what we did very well is that we rated the seller, so the SME, and we rated the debtor. And we, we automated there a lot. and, and actually did quite a good job, but especially in the factoring products, there is the relationship part yeah. between them, right? And that's exactly where, where the fraud happened. Mm -hmm. So we had AAA debtors and medium seller, but the, the, the invoice itself then was, was, was fraudulent and that was, that was the issue. Right. But it's, it's, as I said, I mean, look, fraud, fraud always happens. It's, mm -hmm. that's, that's definitely the key learning. I mean, when you, when you start a startup, Per definition, you're probably a bit naive and you, sure. you, you think more about opportunities, yes. right? And that's also, it's, it's interesting actually. With, with our team, I always preach that think in opportunities and not in problems. That's kind of my thing <laughs> and that's how I try to, to go through my life. And, but then there are these cases, right? And you, should, you have to be prepared for, for right. them. And that's, yeah, that's, that, these are the learnings. Yeah, I spoke um, to, to your coach from InnoSwiss. And I think he pointed out to me um, an early separation of one of the one of the founders that you had, and that was apparently like a very painful uh, a process. Now, I don't know, want to go into the details, but what what were like the key um, learnings, let's say, from from the founding team, how you built that, and like what you would do differently today? Yes. So first of all, I mean, it's a. There was a split. Split happens. It's, yeah, yeah. it's relationships. That's that's how it goes. He still is a is, is a good good friend of mine. I still really value him. Yeah. So it's it's not it's not something that <laughs> that kind of really break off. So sure. it's, he's he's a good guy. So that just to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> when I look back, we didn't really complement each other perfectly fine. We had similar strengths and similar weaknesses, and amongst the whole founding team. It's just also probably has something to do with, with the fact that you actually start a startup. Now we were able to, to hire a new COO, has much more experience, is much more detail-oriented, process-driven, structured, and we didn't really have that in our founding team. So it's a big learning for me. Yeah. If I would ever start a new company, then I would probably take a bit more time on 
building that founding team based on strengths and weaknesses mm -hmm. and then really make sure that you complement each other and that you're not similar. How do you see, let's say, for example, like because I know or we found out that like you had an InnoSwiss coach, mm -hmm. um, how was that experience for you um, to have like such a coach and specifically more, how did InnoSwiss provide you value? Good question. I, I know value, I don't know. <laughs> no, so first of all, uh, I think it's great that we have these projects mm -hmm. like InnoSwiss and also others. I think a lot of people putting a lot of effort in, in the whole ecosystem, which is great. Not every initiative is super successful, but generally it's, it, I think you should encourage people to just do something. Yeah. Which, and you see, a, you see a strong development on that side in, in the Swiss startup ecosystem. When it comes to InnoSwiss now, we actually benefited a lot, primarily on two sides. One, we had an InnoSwiss project mm -hmm. in which we got help from a PhD and research mm -hmm. guy from, uh, from Hochschule Luzern and, and ETH that helped us in developing our credit risk algorithm. Mm -hmm. So that, that's pretty exciting, actually. But then, by far, biggest help was, was our coach. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I cannot speak for all the coaches, but <laughs> at least we, we were very lucky. Yes. So he, he really helped us a lot on, like, just, it just really helps to get an outside perspective. Yeah. He helped us professionalizing a lot. Mm -hmm how to deal with, with the board, with, with different investors, but also how to look at the, at the market. And oh, it, was, it was great. It was, like, it was absolutely fantastic. You're pretty an advanced startup. You're not in the early stages anymore. So what would you say um, when you look at the startup ecosystem from a startup perspective, looking onto the investors? What do you see like when you look at the investor landscape that we have here in Switzerland? Um, and specifically, when you look abroad, what is missing here? Yeah, so you hear the term the value of death quite yeah. often. <laughs> and I have to say that I went through a bit of a learning there as well, because in the beginning I always said, mm, I don't think that this really exists because capital or money should be mobile, so to say. So you can yes. also get, get money from elsewhere. But as it turns out, it really is a bit of an issue because you have this in the mid-sized funding round, so around Series B, I would say in between maybe five and 20 million, some, somewhere there, there is a gap. And the issue is the really big funds, international funds, it's too small of a ticket for them to invest in a Swiss startup to learn the, to learn other legal, legal setups and to kind of get to know the, the market. And that is the issue. But if you outgrow that, then the international VCs, the big ones, growth VCs, they say, okay, so now it's actually, it's worth the time, right? Mm -hmm. Because we would invest more. So you're more worth of our time. So I right. think there there is still a bit of a gap, but it's also I mean I, I never like if, if people keep on complaining about that. I think <laughs> there are there there are a lot of great initiatives coming yes. up. I just think for for instance, ZKB just it just came up with an additional fund yes. and more in the growth stage, which I really like. I think it's it's good. And so we're getting there. There's a, there's a lot of movement in the in the whole industry and um Definitely going in the right direction. Now, also from a political perspective, it's 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 great to see that that our uh, Johann Schneider Ammann Bundesrat uh, actually started these initiatives, yes. and uh, he was also now part of crypto finance conference. And kind of you know you see that there is interest, and 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 that is good. That is great. What's your biggest regret? My biggest regret is that I did not want to spend too much money on experienced employees in the beginning. What is success in life for you? If I have an impact. 
I want to I want to be able to say that I that I changed something for the better. And in our case now, I, I it's really deep in our in our roots that we want to make SMEs more successful. And that's also personally, like for you in life. Yes, absolutely. Okay. If I can, if I'm 80 years old and I can say <laughs> no, I think my my life had some sort of a purpose and I actually yes. did something well. Then then I'm then I'm happy. Good. Yes. How you're making sure to be a good leader? Very, very difficult actually. I try to. I, I now uh, have a coach as well yeah. because I do what I set as my as my goal as a leader is that I want to make the organization better, but also each and every individual. So I think that's that's the main purpose of a leader. You have to give mm -hmm. you you have to give purpose to to others as well and kind of make develop develop people in 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 the right direction. And I think that's what what people appreciate the most, mm -hmm. or at least. The people that we want in our team. How do you achieve and maintain a balanced life? Work-life balance is one of these things <laughs> that I that's ah, it's a, it's a difficult topic. Yes. In my opinion, you just have to do what you love, and then then you don't have then you won't think about that. And that's that's at least in my case, that's definitely the case. So I'm I, I don't think about do I have enough free time or not. It's everything good. is work. Everything <laughs> is merch. Everything is one. So. Okay, um, Phil, last moment of the show is dedicated to your uh, legacy, where you can give some students your advice that you would say, oh, I wish I knew. Uh, <laughs> so first of all, what, what I want to say is, I really want to encourage you to, to try it. Start a startup, go for it, aim to fail and aim to learn. It's the best learning experience you can ever have in the last four years. I couldn't imagine any other way that I could have learned so much. There's literally no day like the, like any other, and you just really see you, yourself grow as well. And that is that is something that makes makes me really proud and happy as well. It gives you gives you some some sense in your life, and then also just just ask for help, especially the startup the startup scene is is a, there are great people around. So if it's amongst investors, coaches, whatsoever, if you have a question, ask for help. Most probably people will help you. If if they don't, then they don't deserve your <laughs> time anyway. Okay, so. um, but you said like, just get started. What would be, let's say, the, literally the first step you would take? Uh, I would ask uh, customers, potential customers. If my So I would start with some idea. Then I would probably call them, go out in the market, go from door to door, ask, hey, look, I aim to do that. Is yeah. that something that you could actually use or not? And then, and then see, and then develop from there, and then just go iteration by right. iteration and move ahead. And I'll ask you a rhetoric question, but do you need money for this? <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. In the beginning, you don't. I, I hear so often, you know, people, I don't, I don't have the money. Okay, good. Yeah. We, can, we heard it from yeah. firsthand. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time, your insights. Have a great day.